we start a new series today as we start our season of Advent together. And it happened this morning at 7.14 a.m., actually, I think. You know what time that was? You know what happened then? That was, that was First Light today. First Light, that is the title, that is the theme, that is the message that we'll be leaning into these next few weeks. That good news breaking in, breaking into our lives, breaking over the horizon, breaking, Lord willing, through us to this, to this community. First light. It is God's light breaking in to the darkness, to the darkness of this world, to our lives toward this place. So grab your eclipse glasses because it's going to get bright. Maybe I should have been like a WWE promoter. Are you really motivated to grab those glasses? I wasn't very convinced with my tone either. But anyway, it is going to get bright as we lean in uh, to this message, to this season today. This morning, the title of our message is Let There Be Light. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and we can turn to uh, Genesis chapter 1. And to get us here, to get us ready, right, to, to promote that wrestler before he shows up, I want you to listen to this. Maybe if you've had a, a surgery or a procedure uh, that you recall, you'll, you'll, you'll know that feeling of coming out of anesthesia. That's sort of like, what just happened? I don't really know what happened. I think I feel good, but I'm a little bit confused by the people around. Or maybe you've had one of these scenarios in life when you're like, how did he just do that? Have you ever seen David Blaine, the master illusionist, do some, I would call ridiculous, uh, but sometimes incredible uh, uh, tricks upon our eyes? And we, and we ask the question, how did he do this? Hopefully you'll connect with one of those two things. This morning, we need to realize as we come to this text, it is God's rescued people that are standing on the, the bank, the, the very bottom of, of Mount Sinai where, where Moses is coming down and he is about to tell you who done it. He's about to tell you how you got here. So take off your... Um, modern, naturalistic, scientific goggles, right? We've got the eclipse ones on. And put on these, the ones that Moses wants you to hear. See, the polemical guns of Moses' voice to you is to say those puny gods that said that they enslaved you, Israel, are nothing. Moses wants to introduce the one who has, in dramatic fashion, rescued his people and called them into a relationship. You ready to meet him? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember where you are hearing this. In the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, 
let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Skipping down to verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. This is God's word. Let us pray. Holy Father, speak, enable us to hear, introduce us to yourself again, convince us of your immensity, of your power, all combined with your good and kind character. Do this, we ask in Christ's name, amen. The point this morning is this. God creates light. God created light. God creates light. Hopefully in the, in the days ahead, you'll remember those three words, and they'll mean something more to you than how simple they sound right now. God creates light. Okay, Scott, that sounds good. What's, what's next? And, and before we move into sort of the sections that I want us to look at today, I want, I want to remind you of something that you probably know about yourself. And that is this, that you kind of want to be light. Sloan prayed really well, and Elizabeth did it really well. And, and we're going to get to it what, it, what it, what it means that our relationship, the one who is light, but we live a life where we're anxious and eager and, and, and depressed and scared. And so we try to move in the place. We try to stand in the gap. We try to be light. You know, Advent as it has been mentioned, as you well know, comes from the Latin word that means coming or, or to come. And thus, this, this Christian calendar season is, is very different. And at odds with, with the, the rituals of our culture. I don't, you're, you've probably been a recipient of this, of, of receiving a, a nice, sentimentalized, shiny bow around everything. This is what, this is what, uh, this is what Mariah Carey's music show will tell you. All right, it it and no offense to her, but there, what we we try to um, dismiss and we and we try to, to to eat the ice cream first. We've been called to to wait. We we tend to rush headlong into the feasting, and the shopping, and the celebrating, without waiting and taking stock. And looking at our friends who are suffering because of the not yet realities of this life. And so instead of coming to terms with the darkness of our life, 
We lean into the cultural Christmas. It constantly holds out this promise that if you spend and schedule your way, peace on earth and goodwill to men, then we can gloss over the problems of life. Why do you do this? Why do you rush in? Why do we rush in in a season that calls for weight, that calls for anger toward evil? And we try to create these artificial light fixtures. We try to be them for our families. We unfortunately can, can dismiss true light for sentimental expressions of it. Artificial hope is what we're left with. I want to be careful this is, that's true. 2020 has been a wild year. So if you're feeling like, you know, Scanner, that sounds great, but have you, have, you, have you taken stock of what this year has brought to us? I don't want to, I don't run roughshod over that. I don't. But what I want you to see, that even, think of some of our first knee-jerk reactions to the virus. Think, think of the impulse of humanity toward suffering. Steamroll it. Dismiss it. Get around it. Seek to inspire. Thankfully, a lot of these small ways have begun to help us, but what I want you to crave today is something more. I don't want you to settle. My Christmas tree is already up, and I have no guilt about that. I was ready for that on October 50th, you know? Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying but I want you to want more. I want you to see these things and I want, you to, I want them to have a sacramental flair about them, which is to say it's like a portal that takes you to the one who is truly light. So we rush, we try to get around instead of waiting. Why? Because instead of leaning into the one who is light, reflecting his light, having his light flow through you, we try to take that place. Maybe you've already felt that around your Thanksgiving table. i got to be light for my family. Where are they going to be without me? Christian, I want you to find rest and hope that God created light. So this is how this happens. First, we have to receive God's physical light. His physical light. Verse 2 says that the world was dark. Don't, don't, don't take... Don't take meaning there that's not there. It just, it simply was nothing. These verses are so terse. I mean, it's, it's as if Moses was ready to get past him. I mean, he just, he's just rattling out what God is telling him to say. See, it was dark. It was, it was physically nothing. And then we see these purpose clauses show up. It's introduced in verse 4. Why, why, what, why did light come? Why did physical light come? Why? to separate it from the darkness. This is, we, we can see this separation with our eyes. And then we, when we move down to the section about our, our suns and the moons and the, and, the, and the lights of heaven, and we see, I think it's verse 17. God set them in the expanse. Why? To give light on the earth. He says it again, to separate light from darkness. God creates light, and He creates physical light. You need to know this this morning. This is good news. You don't have to be the physical light for people. I don't know what that totally means, but you know what I'm trying to say, hopefully. You don't have to be that. He 
You see, there's a difference between the light, is the word light here in the first section, and then the second section from 14 to 19 is another word. And it's the, the ones who carry the light. All right? So you've got light, as in I'm, I'm the English word light. And then this, the second word for light is actually um, the ones who carry light or the light bearers. Right? So already he, he's drawing this distinction. And what he's talking about is this physical light represents the function of God's light. Function. You don't need to spiritualize that too much. Sloan was praying about this this morning. There's a design to God's physical light. There's a design to it. We need it. This morning I was trying to put my clothes on in the dark, and it's just, it's a clunky mess. You know, I'm, I'm hitting this and that, and it's really helpful that we have electricity that can produce light. So the, the point of application I want to make here is, is very basic. I want you to, to help your children, if you have them, like I, like I kind of mentioned at the top, look at that Christmas tree. And tell its true story. Move from the twinkle of its lights to the light. I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this week physical expressions of light. Whether it's that really sweet Xeon HID headlight technology in your car and you're driving down that dark road. And you just maybe, maybe you want to do an experiment with someone in your car. Hey, let's just check this out and turn it off and just see how blank it is. Do that. I want you to see the gift, the goodness, the function of God's physical light. And then if you're, and if you're training someone, whether it's yourself or your child or, your, or your, your child's friend, I want you to be able to take them from those twinkle lights, from that garland, from that wreath, toward the light. In the teaser this week, I quoted C.S. Lewis, and it's a pretty famous quote where he says, I believe in Christianity like I believe the sun. Not just because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Jesus is so big, every single physical light you can think of, you can connect to him. All right? So, mostly. Don't, you know, I I don't know about the neon bar sign, but you probably can get there. You just have to keep, you have to twist it a little bit. God's physical light. God creates light. He creates physical light. He creates moral light. Verse 4 and verse 18, we see these adjectives, these ways of qualifying it. What does he call it? Good. 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 It's, it, it's not just any old light, and it's not just a physical um, output of light, but it actually has a quality about it. So, so whereas the world was, was, what you could say, neutral before God began to create it, but God, once he... Once he imagines, and once he lets the love of the Godhead flow through his mind and heart, goodness comes. Thus, moral light. You see, and what I want you to notice here is, is um, why is it good? And, and, and the first reason that we have, that, that, we sh- that we see shown up here, is because Moses wants that people, right? Remember, we're at the base of the mountain, and we've just been walked through a wall of water. And the biggest army known to the world has been washed out. And we're really confused who Moses works for. This slide is good because he's good. There is no gap between what he does and who he is. This is Christian 
discipleship. It's, it's, it's God closing the gap. It's integrity between who you are, or excuse me, what you say and who you are. He is, if, if you're, is this math? He's congruent. Is that math? I don't know what that is. Geometry. Thank you. He's congruent. And this is what makes God's light good. This is what makes it actually moral. Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 7 says this, I am the Lord. There is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does these things. Did you catch the parallelism? Light is connected to what? Well-being. Darkness is connected to calamity. This is the voice of God through the prophet Isaiah. He's telling us why his light is good, because he does it. And light has the moral effect of being good. So the first, God's physical light, is about the function of his light. His moral light is about the effect of it. It has a good effect on the world. Episcopal priest, uh, she wrote a book, uh, or actually it's a collection of her sermons, uh, called, uh, I think it's uh, New York Times and, and, and the Bible. And she said, the authentically hopeful Christian spirit has not looked away from the darkness, but straight into it. We've been forced to do that this season. The true and victorious Christmas spirit does not look away from death, but directly at it. Otherwise, the message is cheap and false. Instead of pointing to someone else's sin, we confess our own. Advent begins in the dark. Application for God's moral light. I want us to be a confessing people. What can you be about in these next few weeks that demonstrates to yourself and those around you that there is, there, God is having a moral effect on your life. Because His light is upon you and His Son, you, you are about the business of repentance. This is, this is one of Paul's, he, he calls himself the chief of sinners, but a part of his life and ministry was, despite his intelligence, despite his pedigree, he led in confession. He led in repenting. This season, I pray that First Presbyterian Church would lean in to the quote-unquote darkness of this season, not looking at the, at the, at the other dark things, but, but, but letting God's moral light drill a hole. He won't leave you there, I promise. But I want you to be about confessing. And, and for some of you, this may be a movement from saying sorry to confession. All right? There's a difference. And I think you can think about little people and how they say sorry, and, and that's a good training mechanism for, for confession. But a confession isn't how you feel about it. Like, when you're sorry, that's how you feel. Confession is just naming what's true and how you didn't do it. Like, that is true, that is required of me, and I did not do that. I did not fulfill that. Therefore, I confess. And repentance, we all know, is, is the physical act of turning in the other way. I did this wrong thing, now I'm going to try to turn in this direction and do this right thing. So, God creates light. He creates a physical light that separates the darkness. This is the function of His light. 
When you see light, I want you to think about Christ's light. His light has an effect. The created light he has has an effect, and that is moral. It is good. And finally this, God's saving light, physical, moral, saving light. We kind of have to just glance at a section here and move to another passage. But you notice at the very top, it, it says that darkness is over the face of the deep. Hovering over the face of the waters was the Spirit of God. And face, think about like a rock face, think about the surface, think about the exterior portion uh, about which you can see, right? Well, we see light all through the Scriptures, all through the Scriptures. And there's a relationship between the Spirit of God exposing Himself, so to speak, to the face of the waters. And what was that? It was His face. It was His face. Psalm 4, 6, let the light of your face shine upon us. And then it gets even more. This is where we get our point, saving light. Psalm 31, 16, make our face shine. That's us. And then he connects it, save me in your steadfast love. Save there is just another word for life. And it makes sense, right? The Spirit of God's face shone upon the nothingness and produced what? Life. God's light saves. It brings, <laughs> it overcomes, it overcomes the darkness. Paul, had, he paraphrased Genesis 1, 3 so well. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, quote, let light shine out of darkness. That's nowhere in my Bible, Paul. He likely got that from the Septuagint, Greek version of the Old Testament. But that's his paraphrase of Genesis 1. Let light shine out of the darkness. Has shown where? In our hearts, moral light. To give the light of what? Knowledge of the glory of God. Listen, in the face of Jesus Christ. Light gets personal. Light has a face. Light has a name. Jesus of Nazareth. The suffering servant that Isaiah depicts in the, cent in the center part of his prophecy, at least center for us as readers, chapter 50. I have set my face like flint. I know I will not be put to shame. You see, the saving work of Christ's light on your life is that where you are tempted to get in the way, actually, uh, to, to be the Savior for someone else, to be light, right? This is the message of our world right now. And instead of being a reflection, instead of being a conduit, instead of being a mirror, instead of being a photocopy of God's light, we want to be the thing. We want to be the real thing. And what saved you from that is one who was the real thing, the real deal. Smashed, crashed his face of light into your darkness so that his light would shine 
through your darkness. This is the hope of Advent. This is the first light breaking the dawn. This is the necessity of God's light, His saving light, the necessity of it. I'll quote Fleming Rutledge again, again, that Episcopal priest. <clears throat> we do not know why God delays so long. Can you feel that? We do not know why he so often hides his face. I know you feel that. We do not know why so many have to suffer so much with so little apparent meaning. People walk away from Christ all the time for that reason. All we know is that there is this rumor, this hope, this expectation that the master of the house is coming back. The church's life in Advent is hidden in Christ until he comes, which explains why so much of what we do in the night appears to be a failure. Just as his life appeared to end in failure, the church lives in Advent, the time between. We're meanwhile people. That's who we are. We've, we've known nothing but the meanwhile. And this rumor that she speaks of, Revelation 22, they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. The night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. While we are but reflections, mirrors, broken vessels of God's shafts of light shining through, be that this season, but while we're that, you know that there is a light coming that is a permanent light that's going to be fixed to your face. Tattooed. You're going to be shining because he's literally going to be next to you and, and all of this evil, this plague, this pestilence, this suffering, this is what I want you to want. I want you to connect your tree to that. I want you to connect the Christmas tunes, the nostalgic movies, Christmas vacation. I want to try to do that. Chevy Chase, I'm, I've got you, man. I love you. I love that movie. We're going to connect you to Jesus. That's what it means to be a youth pastor. This is our future. First Presbyterian Church, Christmas is coming. May we wait for the light of the true sun. And may God grant us hope for the meanwhile. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us to, to toil and, and try to make a mess of the little bit of light that, that we think that we have. But you seem to it, to stand in the, in the deepest void of darkness. That the Spirit of God takes on flesh and becomes the sun and stands in the cavern of our soul and lights a match. Calls us to wait, lead us to wait, help us to wait for you, help us to want more. Have mercy, Lord, would you return in Jesus' name, amen.